Can we start now? Yeah. Hi, kids. This is the Drive to School podcast. I'm Pastor Goodman, and joining me today is the events executive of Higher Things. This is Kristen Sanchez, who in every possible situation is a professional, except when she has to do a podcast and we start for the eighth time. It's eight times. We just need to talk about it. What are we going to talk about? Let's talk about doubt today. Let's talk about doubt today. Mm-hmm. I have doubted. I've doubted. I, we have this faith that everybody seems so secure in, but every once in a while, you, you, I don't think I'm alone in just sort of wondering, is this real? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a life that we have lived in, and it's a life that a lot of people, uh, you know, you talk about sort of the cradle-to-grave Lutherans, the people who have, have gone through this life just believing in, like, this is just your worldview. This is just what you believe. It's the thing that always is the answer you defer to because it's what you've always done, and whether that's the sort of Sunday school Jesus answer uh, that we've all grown up doing, or even when you get beyond that and, and you start to uh, to find even more difficult questions and things like that, you still rest in that. Until sometimes you don't, until sometimes whether it's something specific happens or you just start having those questions that kind of weasel their way in there. And then all of a sudden there's some pretty large sort of worldview crashing questions that start coming up. Right. And a lot of the times they're not actually met head on and we, we sort of dance around it and tell each other, well, just pray more and read the Bible as if that's supposed to like sort of just eliminate the doubt rather than point you to the fact that, well, when you pray... You, you're allowed to actually take your doubt to God. It's not a question of whether or not you should have it, but what do you do with it now that you have it? And when we're told to go and read the scriptures, it's not so that we could sort of like have our doubt erased, but that we could actually find people in their doubt being met with hope. So today we're going to talk a little bit about John the Baptist. Yeah, John the Baptist, who was, as we all know, sort of um, the, the forerunner of Jesus, right? The one who was uh, sent to... Uh, send towards Jesus, right? The one to point towards Jesus. And he did so even from the womb. I mean, we see, you know, when Mary and Elizabeth are with each other, uh, John has faith and jumps in the womb. And that is um, great, great comfort for many, many people. But then uh, there's sort of the rest of the story and things that happen as John is living his life. Yeah, so he goes out because he's the prophet sent by God, which means if you're a prophet sent by God, God talked to you. Mm-hmm. God, the, the sky talked talked to you and said, go do this thing. Uh, if you're a true prophet of God, uh, before all of that, you, you were, uh, before the church is sort of established, you know that you're a true prophet because you speak in line with the rest of the scriptures mm-hmm. and usually because you do a sign. John was witness to miracles of his own hand, even just in the baptism of Jesus, where the sky opened up and talked again and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in the form of a dove and remained there. John did all of the things that he was supposed to do. Jesus himself is going to say uh, towards the end, there is no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. But because John the Baptist did the things that Jesus told him to do, he got arrested and uh, sits in jail waiting to be martyred. And while he's in jail... He doubts. He questions. He's. He, I, can you imagine this life that this this person has lived who, again, from the womb, his whole life has been based on the fact that I am the one pointing to the Christ. I am the one who is doing this. And that must just worm its way in and establish something in him. And here he is sitting in a jail because he was doing the thing that he thought he was supposed to be doing. So what does he do? He questions. He says, yeah, but is that really the guy? He sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Uh, In other words, you're supposed to be the Messiah who not only sent me to do these things, so shouldn't this be going better? Uh, But, well, isn't part of your promise to free the prisoners? Yeah. 
According to Isaiah, it is. And Jesus, in, in his compassion, like his actual compassion, chooses to omit that part of Isaiah. He sends the disciples back to John saying, tell John what you see and hear. The blind receive their sight, the deaf hear, the lame can walk, the poor have the good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And and John knew those words. John knew scripture. He knew the scripture that was supposed to go on right. to say. So he knew what was missing. Right. This yeah. is actually sort of where a lot of doubt comes from. Uh, if there is a loving God, why is there so much suffering in the world? If God has promised to do all of these things, why do I not see them? And when we tell people, go and look in the Bible, it's because the Bible is actually pretty honest that it's going to be hard to see some of this stuff down here. Not because God is not real, but because sin breaks stuff. And so when we live in a world that is full of sin, well, you have a God who either has to just get rid of all of the sinners or work inside of the mess, which is going to be messy. You can read the Psalms where the, the psalmist says, how long, oh God, are you going to forget me forever? You can see John the Baptist in prison basically saying the same thing. You are supposed to be about fixing this, right? And Jesus does a miracle. He does a miracle in, in, in sort of addressing Isaiah's needs by not just sort of coming at it with a nail in the head and giving him everything that he wants so that the next bad thing can happen. But instead, he says, the poor are allowed to have the good news preached to them too. See, we want a God who can only exist for the people who have their lives together. I, I want a God who heals the blind, but that also means if you're blind, there's no God. I want a God who gives me money, but that doesn't actually exist then for the poor people. How do you have mercy and still be poor. See, it's not a question of whether or not there should be blindness or whether or not there should be poverty. There should not be. Right. But sinners are going to keep sinning. And so even if I, God just sort of showered down wealth and I was somehow um, somehow mature enough not to just immediately go on Amazon, uh, which probably wouldn't happen, what about the people who would come and take it from me? So Jesus, he's going to meet John where John needs to be met. In the same way that anyone now who has doubts, Jesus will meet him, will meet them where they need to be met. Not necessarily with the thing that they think they need at that moment, but he's going to meet them with the thing that they do actually need that moment. And that's that's the whole point. In your doubts, Jesus is still going to be met, meeting you with himself because that is therein lies the the way out really is that um your doubts are allowed to you are allowed to wrestle with these things because jesus is actually willing to be wrestled with jesus in these doubts is actually willing to be put to the test that's a really good point i mean because everybody accuses us of just sort of having an invisible friend right, right. but the, the sign that you just have an invisible friend is that he only tells you what you want to hear um if you have a god who, who flat out omits the part that you need and then addresses it in a different but better way mm -hmm. that might be something to hang on to and so the thing that actually meets John in prison uh, because, well, it, it's, it's not of, of John's own doing. He, he's arrested for preaching the word of God and he's eventually martyred. He's, mm -hmm. he's, he's decapitated. His, his, his head is removed from the rest of him and marched around on a silver platter for a party favor uh, because he, he spoke God's word. Mm -hmm. And the thing that answers this is not a get out of jail free card. Mm -hmm. It's a God who conquers death. It, it's a Jesus who dives into the tomb and then comes back out three days later. And, and here we have something to, to confront our doubt, not just a Bible story, not just to pray harder, not just to read more stories and recognize you're not alone because everybody's having a bad day, but a God who enters the tomb and leaves it again. And this is something that, well, it, it happened. It, it, it mm -hmm. historically, verifiably happened. We, we, we measure God where he is promised to be found. And he says, look at the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You can, you can 
see that that is as true as any piece of history is. You can, in the same standards, hold up the resurrection accounts of, of, of the apostles, hold up the resurrection accounts of third-party sources and say, something happened this day. There was a dead guy who stopped being dead. And if those things are literally true, and they are, there's witnesses, there's hundreds of witnesses to the resurrection, and if there is a guy who actually broke death, Listen to him. Like there, there are. There's weight that his words hold in a different way than if he was just someone who was walking around talking. Like he broke death. Right, and, and this is this is sort of the grander perspective that we need because in the middle of our doubt, we're only thinking about like one or two yeah. things. In the same way that in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our fear, all you have, the whole universe contracts to that one thing. Yeah. And that's how you know you have an invisible friend because the only invisible friend only wants to talk about that thing too. Right. Jesus says, look at how much more there is. And here we have the whole counsel then of God, which mm-hmm. is to confront us not just with this one thing that we're afraid of, but with the whole plan, the whole work of salvation, the death and resurrection, so that we can look at something outside of just this moment or just this thing and simply say, all right, so John in prison is terrified that he's going to die a martyr. And so the question isn't, is God real? And I'll know he's real if I get out of this particular pickle and get myself into another one. But can this prison put Jesus back in the tomb? Can, can this prison somehow keep Jesus from rising from the dead? And, and if not, then you actually have a God who is not only real, but confronting it with something that exists outside of this one thing so that it can conquer this one thing that we are so afraid of. Right. Once you zoom out and start um, start really just focusing on the bigger picture of all those things, it starts to color all of those other small, quiet questions that you have because this thing is true. And so all of these other things will then be colored and answered as you go as well. Right. And that means that doubt actually gets to be a part of the literature the same way that sin mm-hmm. does. Uh, and, and so instead of just sort of saying, well, now that I'm a Christian, I shouldn't sin anymore, which would be great. Um, every single Sunday, though, we start off our, our church to saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner. In the same way, I have a place to take my doubt. Yeah. And it's not whether or not I should have it, but since I'm I, you I'm, do. We do. Okay. Yeah. So then every single Sunday I get to go and, and I get to hear from the outside of myself. Right. Somebody promised to me the, the things that God has given them to speak, that, that Christ has conquered death, that he has risen from the grave, that he is present for me here for this one thing. And now and unto life everlasting doubt is, is not something that, that you have to sort of believe Jesus into existence and then conquer, but, but rather doubt is conquered by Jesus who also conquered the grave. And, and that's told to us over and over and over again. Yeah. Your doubts will never be answered from within yourself your doubts will always be answered from outside of yourself and so uh, we find ourselves you know weekly uh, going to the liturgy going to the sacraments going to these things that we know sustain us and build us up and that is the comfort that we find in them right that's something that we can actually hang our hat on this Mm -hmm. is what paul says too he says if christ has not been raised from the dead then our faith is in vain we are above all else to be pitied but that means then if christ is raised from the dead Mm -hmm. then all the stuff that paul went through it was not in vain right it was not to pity him the 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 family that he lost the the pains that he endured the martyrdom that he faced. None of these things can put Jesus back in the tomb. And so we have something to stand on. But Paul knows this because, well, he didn't just decide. He didn't just sort of, it it was preached to him Mm -hmm. over and over again. And in the same way, we get the same gifts. It's not a life free from doubt any more than we have a life free from sin. But we have a God who will not be free from sinners and doubters. We have a God who joins us and preaches to us so that in the darkest Mm -hmm. of days, we have hope. Ninth try is a charm. We did it. High five. Bye.